Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. I'm still Chad Russell. That's Kurt Satter. And we are talking to Chuck Tackett today. And he's sharing his story about growing up in an angry home with an angry dad. And um, what we picked up on the last, uh, or we're going to pick up here, where we left off. Uh, and uh, things were not going well at dinner. <laughs> Safe to say. Uh, it involved a haircut and spaghetti and a 357 Magnum. So if you're like, what? You want to go back and hear this, why don't you go to our Facebook page, you go to soundcloud.com, or you can go to iTunes, and you look for our podcast. We put all of our live shows, they air on the weekend, we put our podcast on our Facebook page, and we post it on Mondays. So you can go back and just click on that, and it will take you to that week's show and all of our shows so they're commercial free thanks to our sponsors so if you want to hear this whole story and you're just catching uh, the tail end of this uh, go to those places and you can go to also furtherstillministries.org click on the mic and it will take you to all the same places and listen to these shows in their entirety so chuck you got your dad's got a 357 magnum right. you know he's got it and um so how scared are you um yeah i'm scared I'm scared. I'm thinking, you, you, okay. You, you know that he well, could get really stupid here. Yeah. I, I, I knew when he walked down the hallway that he had the 357 plastered against his leg. I mean, I knew that. And I knew at that point in time, if I'd said a doggone word, he would have shot me and killed me. I mean, I could look at his face. I could see he was rageful. And I was just a, a block that he needed to knock over. I was just a wall he needed to knock down at that point in time. But he leaves the house. He flees the house. And, um, and you had and a then, good you had a good mom. Oh, yeah. I had a great mom. Uh, and so mom uh, took us over to one of his, um, one of my dad's second cousins, who was a Montgomery County sheriff. Uh, uh, his name was Hal. Hal then went to where my dad was, which uh, dad went back to the fishing pond at work. And uh, that was the calm place that dad liked to go to. And so uh, he went, talked to dad, and... Um, got dad to reason a little bit and then Hal told dad to go back to the house uh, Hal also went back to the house got uh, the two pistols the 357 and the other pistol dad had and the rifle dad had and I think he also picked up a couple of machetes that dad had and uh, took them back to his house and then Hal came back to his home and uh, you know talked with mom for a while and talked with me for a while and what Hal helped me to realize is I had two choices Either I could go live with a relative, which probably would have been great for me personally, or I could get a haircut, um, go back home, and, um, and, just try, and just try to be there as best I could. And, and I knew my dad had somebody he had to rage against. That was my dad. I accepted that. In, in, in the break, you talked about mm -hmm. your dad's anger and rage. Yeah. And really, in, 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 at least in part... Mm -hmm. He had some issues with his dad. Yeah, yeah. My my dad was raised uh, destitute and by the town drunk. You know, so I, I knew my dad never had a really a mental illness. I knew my grand my grandpa Tackett never had a mental illness really. I knew he had problems with addiction, uh, but I you know there was no bipolar disorder. There was no chronic depression. There was no schizophrenia or, or anything like that. Uh, so I knew this was just dad and dad trying to figure out his own doggone life. And the, the wounds of that he, that, oh, he yeah. that he had. He had serious father wounds. He did. And, and now he's, he did. he's carrying that over into, as a dad and with you and your brother. Right. Well, basically, 
the anger went towards me. I was the identified person that it all came toward. You know, so I knew I could leave that day and, and go have a nice life with a relative who would love me and care for me, or I could get a haircut, go back home, and continue to be the one that the rage was sent toward. And I knew my brother couldn't handle it. I knew that. As sure as the sun was going to set that night, I knew my brother could not manage that, and I knew my mom could not manage that. So you what did you do? Um, so Hal told me that after school the next day I'd need to get a haircut. I need to promise that to him, and I did. And um, went back home that night, went to bed. It was late. Um, got up the next morning, went to school, um, and went and got a haircut that Friday night. But that was really the beginning of you being estranged from your dad. Oh, yeah. There, there, from that point until, until dad and I reconciled, we had no relationship really. So for the next 10 to 12 years, I think you said in the break, you... Yeah, you just had about 12 years, yeah. No relationship with your dad. Yeah, I mean, none whatsoever. And then by the time I graduated from high school in May of, in May of 74, uh, two and a half months later, I was, you know, I had a full-time job. You know, I was an assistant manager at a KFC, KFC store in Xenia, Ohio. Um, and so I had a full-time job, went out, got my own apartment, started taking care of myself. You know, and, and there was no communication between my dad and I. I mean, none whatsoever. Now, there was a good side to that, and that is I didn't have to put up with his junk. But there's a bad side, too. Now, I got no relationship with my dad, you know, and I loved my dad. I cared about my dad. So at 19, I came to faith in Christ, and, um, you know, uh, dad forbid my brother and forbid my mom to come see me baptized. So when I was baptized, I was baptized by myself. No one from my family, you know what I mean? Dad forbid them to even tell other relatives, mm. which, which hurt. But at the same time, it really didn't matter. I knew what the work that God had done in me. And so, you know, baptism is your public confession. You have to confess the work. And so baptism is the way we do it within the church. And so I was baptized, and I felt great about that. But then that set me on a different course. Now I had to reconcile with my dad. Because the Bible teaches, you know, it, we're to love our enemies, we're to be reconciled as best we can. Fast forward, you also, yeah. you, you, went to, you went to school to become a pastor. Yeah, I went to uh, Southwest Baptist University in the booming megapolis of Bolivar, Missouri. <laughs> okay, they advertised the school as 28 miles from the nearest known sin. Let me guarantee you that was not the case. <laughs> okay. And so uh, Kim and I went to school together. Uh, we graduated uh, on the same day with one another. Um, and which was a lot of fun. Uh, then I went to seminary at Southern in the early 80s. Um, and at that time, Southern was a pretty doggone liberal institution. Um, and the joke in Southern Baptist life at that time was you didn't go to seminary to learn the faith, you went to have your faith tested. Mm. You know, And so uh, that was the case, and that was just the way it was. And then I started pastoring on the weekends while I was in seminary, then accepted a full-time pastorate in Batavia, Ohio, which is the county seat of Claremont County. And my dad was born and raised in New Richmond, Ohio, the river town in, in Claremont County. So how far away is your dad? To uh, where, where this five, six miles from where dad grew up. But, but you have had no relationship with yeah, him. Yeah, I've graduated from seminary. I'm pastoring full time. No relationship with my dad. But the whole time while I was in seminary, I found out later that my relatives, my dad's brothers and sisters, were emotionally beating the ever-living daylights out of my dad. Because at that time in the family history, I was the only one who graduated from college and definitely the only one who had a master's degree. So I had my MDiv, you know, and here I am. I'm pastoring a, you know, 
church in a county seat town. And, you know, so they were beating the ever-living daylights out of my dad. And he was taking it for about two and a half years. Uh, because they're, they're, they're but, pa- he, they're but he caves. But eventually he caves, and he, he calls me on the phone, um, and he says he wants to reconcile. And so I put one ground rule in that reconciliation is he's got to come and he's got to tell me the destructive things that he did towards me and that I needed to do the same towards him. And so we decided that we would go fishing because uh, that's something that we both love to do. And um, at that time of fishing with one another, he confessed his sins towards me and I confessed mine towards him. And from that point forward, Dad and I had a relationship again. What, what, what did your dad say specifically? Uh, he, he, he confessed his anger, his rage. He admitted that he, he was responsible for that, that I hadn't really done anything to provoke that. And, and really, I hadn't. I was a good kid. You know, I had friends who did drugs. My dad was crazed that I was going to become a drug addict because of alcoholism in the family. But I wasn't going to do drugs. What, I mean, did, you, what did you confess to him? Um, spirit of unforgiveness that I really didn't want to forgive him you know um, that I could have figured out different ways to communicate with him that I was disobedient you know I didn't I didn't like having to have such short hair I mean I hated that I despised (laughs) that okay Uh, even today my dad would say my hair would be too long if he were alive okay (laughs) you know and um, but I was just disobedient in that one respect, and it was all over here. Wow. So, so Chuck, how did when you get done fishing? Yeah. W- w- did you give him a hug? Oh yeah, yeah. From that point forward, we had a loving and caring relationship with one another. So for ten to twelve years, you have no relationship with right. him, and and then you come right. to, together to fish. Right. And he confesses. You confess. And there's reconciliation. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, I, even though dad had hurt me and I disappointed him, he was still my dad. And really, how could God bless me in life if I didn't do what I needed to do to reconcile with my own doggone dad? Mm. That would be on me. He wasn't a believer. I was. I needed to reconcile with him. So when the door opened... I just walked right through the door. Wow. We're going we're gonna to talk about lessons right. from that in this last segment. We need to take a break. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. And uh, Chuck is a, uh, a counselor by trade now, and so he's going to put his counseling hat on a little bit more and talk a little bit more uh, from a, uh, a technical perspective about some steps that you need to take. The show is called Solid Steps, and we don't call it that by accident. What are some steps that you and I we as men need to take to reconcile not maybe just with our fathers but with anyone who we have beef with in our life so we're going to take a break we'll be back shortly thank you for listening to solid steps radio welcome back to our fourth and final segment of solid steps radio this has been a great show it sure has. <laughs> um, and it, any show that involves uh, 357 Magnums, uh, haircuts, spaghetti dinners, and fishing, you know, that's just a whole lot of good things going on to make a good story. And, and I say that with a little bit of sarcasm, but the truth of the matter is every great story you've ever heard had dips 
and valleys and ups and downs. No story is a, is a straight line. And so this has been a great uh, first three segments. We're going to finish up with Chuck Tackett. And if you know any man, ladies, if you're listening, or you guys are listening, every man finds himself in Chuck's story in a little bit of capacity. So pass this on to them as we hear about how reconciliation happened between Chuck and his dad. So Chuck, you, you, your dad, you're scared of your dad, but right. eventually you're 28 years old. You become a pastor. Right. You, you get reconciled. Right. You, you reconcile with your dad. Yeah. And so that led me to ask a very key question. And that was, you know, God, why in the world did you give me the dad you gave me? Mm. Okay. So God, did you give me a stone? Did you give me a serpent? No, because God doesn't give serpents. He doesn't give stones. Okay. He cares for us. He loves us. So why did God give me the dad he gave me? And so that just sent me on an odyssey for a long, long period of time, you know, well over a decade to try to figure out why in the world did God give me the dad he gave me. And so very simply, it was my dad had just some innate counseling abilities. And from my point of view, God wanted me to have that skill. And the best way for me to have that innate ability, you know, to deal with the story was, uh, was just give it to me through my dad. Hmm. You know, so people's stories, they don't, they don't overwhelm me. They don't shock me. They don't cause me personal problems. I don't get stressed over their stories, you know. And I've dealt with a lot of horrific stories with people. But they don't mess me up. You know, and so from all the terrible things that happened, you know, that taught me strength. I, I can bear up under those kinds of things because I understand what they feel like. Because you, you as a counselor, you, right. have, you have helped, encouraged, and counseled oh, yeah. hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people. Well, hundreds, I would say, yeah, in a personal way, yeah. But so, so I, it just took me coming to realize that God gave me my dad because he wanted me to have those innate counseling abilities. Okay, he, and he wanted me to be able to take those innate counseling abilities and utilize them within the church, within the kingdom of God. And it was more important that I see that, that I understand that, than I get hung up with all the junk that dad did. You know, so, so it just taught me. You know, so one of the things, guys, you can do is you can, say, you can say, you can begin this odyssey of trying to figure out with your family and friends, you know, what did God want you to get? What gift, what ability, what skill set in a very foundational way did God want you to get from your dad? Mm. Because there is something or things God wanted you to get from your dad. And you can come to peace with the things that happened in the past if you understand what it is God wanted you to get from your dad. Because once you get that, then it's like, okay, what direction do I go? How do I utilize that gift? How do I utilize that capability? Even the negative things. Even the negative things. Because sometimes those things are revealed in the negative. So one of the great paradoxes of my life is how could dad be so skillful and so caring towards other people and utilize his innate counseling and helping skills towards other people, but be absolutely lousy towards me? Because I tell you, he didn't use them towards me, not until we reconciled, okay? I, I didn't get that stuff, you know? I was the one that, it, that the negative stuff came towards. I was the, you know, identified problem within the family. Even though I wasn't a problem, I was the identified problem in the family. So, so find out what that gift, that ability is that God mm. wanted you to have, because that gift and ability is more important to you and more important to the church and how you'll serve within the church than it is what your dad did. Mm. And so the second thing is realize 
that God, that we serve a God who wants to redeem all of those bad things. Mm. He wants to take all of the all the bad, all the horror, and he wants to redeem that. And for many of us, that's a painful realization. We we want to stay stuck in the past, you know, and live as if that stuff can't be redeemed. When the reality is God, we serve a redeeming God. And so God wants to redeem all of that stuff. You know, so I will say, depending on what your stuff is, if it's really horrendous stuff that needs to be redeemed, uh, I would just caution you, you need, you need friends around you. You need your brothers and sisters in the Lord around you to provide you that level of support so that they can see if you're beginning to lose it and they can step in and they can kind of help you. So. I'm not saying do this and wing this by yourself, okay? This is a team. Get your fam- this is a team. You get your family around you, okay? And focus, focus on the family. And then this, the next thing is learn to practice forgiveness. Begin to look at forgiveness as if it's a spiritual discipline. Mm. Forgiveness is to be a lifestyle for us. You know, when the Lord was posed the question of how many times do you forgive, you know, seven times 70, does that mean the 491st time somebody does something, you don't forgive them anymore? <laughs> no, it just means forgiveness is to be a discipline, a spiritual discipline. So you've got you to learn to forgive. Now, clinically, as a licensed clinical psychologist, one of the things that's important to understand about forgiveness is if I don't forgive somebody mentally, emotionally, I stay negatively bound to that person. I'm negatively connected with that person. Mm. When I forgive them, it allows me to take several steps back and begin to look at the person, look at the situation, get a wider picture of what's really going on in that situation. So forgiveness helps me. Then once, once I've forgiven them and I've stepped back and I've taken time to look at the situation and analyze the relationship and analyze the person and analyze myself and analyze what's going on, then I can begin to make the decision, does God want me to intervene in the situation and begin the work of reconciliation. But see, I can't begin the work of reconciliation until I forgive. Mm. Chuck, give us just real quickly, uh, we could do a whole segment on, uh, we could do a whole show on forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But okay, I'm struggling with maybe my dad. Um, how, How do I forgive them? Well, it has to begin with confession. So you've got to have some connection with one another where you confess to one another your sins. Okay, that stuff has to be cleaned out. Okay. So your dad would have to say to you one or two negative things that he did, and you would need to be willing to say one or two negative things that you did towards your dad. Okay. Because you've got to get the sin cleaned out. You can't do reconciliation until the sin is cleaned out. It's just as simple as that. So you've got to be willing to do that, to do that too. And if you're the believer, like I was, you know, and am, and your dad's lost like my dad was, then it, it fell upon me to be the one who would also join in to work reconciliation. Okay. Extend the mercy. Oh, I would have to. I would have to, you know, because I needed to be able to know that, that I would have a platform in which I could share the gospel with my dad. And I did, even though dad never came to faith in Christ, there were at least 30 occasions that I shared the gospel with my dad. You know, so uh, will I miss dad in heaven? Yeah. But here's one thing I know. My dad loves me. Now, I'm confident he regrets his choice not to come to know the Lord, okay? Mm. I know that. But I know my dad loves me. I know my dad cares about me. And that could happen, and I could experience that once forgiveness took place and then reconciliation 
you know, began to be a part of the picture of our relationship with one another. And we maintained that relationship until my dad died in November 2004. So, Chuck, wrap this up. We've, no. yeah, we've got about a minute. Mm-hmm. What, what final words would you have for our listeners? Forgiveness can be a joy in your life. To be free to connect with the person who hurt you. Mm. Just think about that. To be free to connect with the very person who hurt you. To be that mentally and emotionally and spiritually strong inside that you could actually minister to the very person who brought so much destruction into your life. That's freedom. That's freedom. Now, if they stay destructive, if they're unwilling to confess... If they're unwilling to do any reconciliation with you, well, then you've got to sit down with your deacons, your elders, your pastors, your Christian friends, and all of you together have to be a team and have to decide, are you going to reconcile or not? Because mm-hmm. if it's going to keep coming at you, then there's a question about, is it wise at that point in time to reconcile? But ultimately, that's what you're working towards. That's what you're pushing towards. But you can still forgive oh, yeah. ev- even if there's no reconciliation. Oh, you can forgive. Even if, they don't, even if there will never be reconciliation, you can still forgive. And the blessing to you to forgive is you don't stay negatively bound to that person. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many of the relationships that I deal with, there's so much hate. Mm-hmm. And the hate is basically the, the seed of unforgiveness. Yes. And then they wonder why they stay trapped mentally and emotionally to the spouse they had for all these decades. Well, they stay trapped because they won't forgive. Mm. Hate becomes their best friend. Chuck, it's been an absolute, what a, what a joy and a privilege to have you back. Thanks so much for coming mm-hmm. in. Um, would you pray for us men right. that we would be men who would be free and we would be, we would, uh, be men who forgive and yeah. reconcile and walk in freedom? I would love to. Lord, thank you for the opportunity uh, to share again this day. I pray, Lord, you'll take the words that we've uh, shared with one another and use them to your honor and your glory. Help us to learn, help us to understand, Lord, that forgiveness is a blessing and that forgiveness in essence is a a spiritual discipline. Mm. So, Lord, teach us to forgive and to then experience the freedom because we've forgiven. Mm -hmm. Because in that we can move forward. And that's what you want us to do, Lord, for your kingdom. It's in your name I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks, guys. Great to be with you. This show reminded me of the quote, unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. Mm. Chuck, thank you for sharing your story of of forgiveness Mm -hmm. and uh, how it is freeing even if someone on the other side of it may not want to receive that forgiveness. So, uh, hey, thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio. Uh, we have fun, even though we talk about heavy topics like this. So hopefully you know someone in your life who came to mind immediately when you heard this or a little bit of this, send this to them in love and say, hey, this may be healing for you. So thank you for listening. We appreciate you so much. And uh, we hope you listen next time on Solid Steps Radio.